0: Uh, But there are other players that are popular in the sports card marketplace that will likely be hurt by this offseason flurry of moves. What up, what up, what up? Welcome back to Sam Dunks, the weekly NBA show over here at Slab Sox. I'm your host, Sam. Huge week here in the NBA. Uh, did not disappoint at all. We First, we started off with uh, trade season. Then we had the NBA draft. We had uh, player transactions, free agency rumors, free agency signings. There's a ton of stuff that went on. Almost every single team in the league looks totally different than it did just a couple weeks ago. Uh, today, I want to focus on the more the NBA side of things rather than the draft. I guess that's NBA too, but, uh, free agency trades, how that affected various teams, how I think it's going to affect various players. And most importantly, how I think it's going to affect our sports card investments and what we should be thinking moving into the season. All right, let's take a look. So let's start things off by looking at one of the big movers in the market lately. That's Trey Young. He's entering his third year with the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, Aaron's been posting quite a bit about him lately over at the Slab Stocks Instagram account. Uh, his market's just kind of jumping all over the place lately. Uh, whether that be the you know the, the common prison rookie cards, his uh, National Treasures RPA out of 99. You know it's all just really bouncing at the moment. I wanted to check out his optic hollow sales today, and and they've just been experiencing some pretty good movement too. Uh, Just over the past 10 days, Trey Young's 2018 Raw Optic Hollow rookie cards are up 69%, most recently selling on Sunday between $500 and $525. Uh, Some of that is due to the excitement of the season coming back in under a month, uh, Trey Young being one of the more exciting young players in the league. uh, But also we've seen some uptick in recent action due to the Hawks' extremely active free agency period. Uh, We can take a look at that. They added a bunch all around the roster. Rajon Rondo was a pretty strong target for this Hawks team. They signed him to a two-year, $15 million deal. Uh, they like his leadership. They like his toughness. Uh, should be fine in a back backup point guard role. Uh, at the point, they also added Chris Dunn from the Chicago Bulls. Two years, $10 million. Not exactly sure where he's going to fit in into the rotation. I do expect some of it to be situa- situationally based, but he's probably figuring to be fighting for some of Rondo's minutes at the backup behind Trey Young. Uh, they also signed Bogdan Bogdanovich to a four-year, $72 million offer sheet, uh, which means that it's not official yet. Uh, the Kings still have an opportunity to match. I'm recording this Monday night. I uh, We haven't yet heard anything on, on that end Um, Perhaps by the time you listen to this tomorrow, we'll already know uh, where that's going to go. As of this recording, I'm just going to pretend that the Kings aren't going to match that and that he will end up on the Hawks. And then, of course, we have Danilo Gallinari. He signed for three years, $61.5 million. The Hawks traded Dwayne duet Deadman for Tony Snell. They drafted Onyeka Onkongwu with the sixth overall pick. They signed Solomon Hill to a one-year contract. And then, of course, they still have Clint Capella, who they had traded for last year, uh, but still hasn't played a game in a Hawks uniform. Uh, so where does that leave this team? I'd say Trey Young is uh, in a good spot still, you know, adding offensive Uh, strong offensive players around him should really just boost his overall value. Uh, Last year, of course, uh, per 36 minutes, he averaged 30 points, 9.5 assists, four rebounds, a steal, and he shot 36% from deep on nearly 10 attempts per game and 44% from the field overall. Uh, And then also really strong usage on last year's Hawks team, nearly 35% usage. That was the fourth highest usage in the league last year. And it was the 30th highest usage of all time. Uh, Usage percentages, of course, um, you know, the percent of a team's plays that end in a field goal attempt, a free throw attempt or a turnover in which said player is involved. So clearly, Trey Young is just extremely involved in the Hawks offense. Uh, he's fundamental to everything that they do. This is Trey Young's team. He's going to continue to have the ball in his hands. Everything's going to continue to flow through him. His assists might tick up even a bit higher with the with the strong players around him. Uh, perhaps he sees a little bit of a scoring drop, but in general, things really should just continue to look good for Trey Young statistically on a team that figures to be both in or to be in contention for a playoff spot. Uh, that all bodes really well for Trey Young's prices. Uh, but there are other players that are popular in the sports card marketplace that will likely be hurt by this offseason flurry of moves. Uh, the first that I'm going to talk about, uh, not as popular on the market, but uh, that is Kevin Huerter. I think he's the best among this, this trio of players that I'm going to talk about here. A really solid young player, a 21-year-old sophomore, in 31 minutes per night, he added 12 points, four assists, four rebounds, shot 38% from deep and 83% from the charity stripe. If the Hawks end up being able to assign Bogdan uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich to that deal, you have to imagine that Bogey's going to be getting like 30 to 31 minutes uh, in his role, which slides horder down to somewhere around the 15 minutes per night uh, range. Uh, then at what I imagine will be small forward, we have the $20 million man Danilo Gallinari, who at 32 years of age, uh, likely to see a small decrease in minutes but should still be averaging about 28 minutes per night on this Hawks team. And, and you can think of it this way. Uh, on the wings, there are 96 minutes available each night. About 58 of those I expect to be taken by Bogdanovich and Gallinari. Uh That leaves uh, about 38 minutes for Huerter. And then the other two rookies from last year, Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter. Uh, Cam Reddish, in 27 minutes last season, he averaged 10.5 points, 1.5 assists, four rebounds. He shot only 38% from the field and then 33% from three-point range. Uh, Really pretty ugly all around, uh, but like I was talking about uh, throughout the spring and early summer, uh, he was also improving month over month throughout the season. Uh, If you're watching the YouTube video, if you're watching, if you're listening to the podcast, you can't see some of the things I'm pulling up here. But if you're watching on the YouTube video here, you can see his uh, month over month progression from October all the way through to March. Uh, You really just do see him uh, progress throughout the season, Uh, whether that be in the the three-point percentage, uh, 56, 279, 310, 403, just gradual increase throughout the year. Uh, Field goal percentage overall, you look at his true shooting percentage, that's a TS percent sign. 279, 428, 467, 543, 572, 672. That's an increase every single month throughout the season. Uh, We also saw his minutes tick up. We also saw his points tick up. Um, We saw his offensive rating tick up consistently throughout the season. So it really seemed like Cam Reddish, he started to figure these things out as the season was going on. And that's exactly what we want from a young player. Now we're potentially going to be missing out on uh, seeing more of that development because he's most likely splitting 38 minutes with Kevin Herter and then also last year's fourth overall pick, uh, DeAndre Hunter. DeAndre Hunter, he averaged 12 points, two assists, 4.5 rebounds, uh, shot 41% from the field and uh, 35% from three on five attempts per game nothing spectacular on the whole. It was better uh, as a whole season. He was better than, than Cam Reddish. Um, But there just wasn't that month over month improvement for DeAndre Hunter. He did have a five game outburst in February where everyone's like, Oh my goodness. Now look at this guy. He's the best player on earth. And, and that was it Uh, outside of that. He really just kind of left a lot to be desired, but you know what still he was the fourth overall pick still has tons of potential and now on this this very deep hawks team he's just not going to see a ton of minutes along with the other three guy the other two guys Uh, The other guy that I'm worried about is John Collins. He's going into his fourth year. uh, He's he's eligible for a contract extension. He's coming off his best season in which he scored 21.5 points, 10 rebounds, 1.5 assists. He shot 58% from the field overall and 40% from three on nearly four attempts per game. Just really, really, really strong stuff all around. And in his case, I'm not concerned about him losing minutes, but I am concerned about his role on this team. You know he was the he was best last year as a role man playing in the two man uh, game. You know the two man game uh, offense with Trey Young, uh, but then you know the Hawks traded for Clint Capella, and that's essentially the only role that C- Clint Capella can play on offense in the pick and roll. Uh, so immediately we already have to figure out what Collins is going to need to do in order to get uh, the majority of his looks elsewhere. It's not going to be rolling to the hoop primarily, but now. He's not the only offensive production on the outside. He's also surrounded by pretty good offensive players who are going to be siphoning away some of his looks. And so I'm just not exactly sure what this season's going to look like for John Collins. Uh, plus, we also have the the uh, first the, their first-round draft pick on Yeka Okongwu, who I'm certain they're probably going to be looking to get at least, like, eight to 10 to 12 minutes per night. Uh, so there's a number of things that I think could be hurting John Collins's production as well. Now, these are all uh, great problems to have for the Atlanta Hawks. You know This is the type of roster that will lead them at least to some form of contention. You know, they might give up like 130 points per night, but they also could score like 132 points per night. Uh, so it might be ugly. I think they could probably get into the eight-ish seed in the eat I think, and in the East, I think that's what they're gunning for. Uh, but that doesn't mean that it's all roses for these young players on the card market. Uh, let's look at look, two of these guys real quick. Uh, Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter were comparing their Prism Silver rookie cards, their raw form. Uh, Cam Reddish started out just a couple weeks ago, or ten days ago, or so, uh, around seventy dollars pushing up near $100. That's a 41% increase over those uh, 7, 8, nine, 10-ish days. Uh, DeAndre Hunter, since the middle of November, he's up 120%. Uh, sounds really good. It's he, He's still selling for quite a bit less than uh, Cam Reddish's. Um, but looking at these, we see the increase. There's clearly some high expectations going into the next NBA season, um, but particularly for these two guys. I just don't know where the minutes are going to come from. Uh, It's going to be rough looking at these guys on 10 to 12 minutes per night. um, And I don't know what type of increases we can expect off of that. I'm sure it's going to stagnate quite a bit heading into the season. Uh, Moving on from the Hawks, this isn't related to any actual NBA transactions. It is related to a Uh, theoretical NBA transaction. But I did think this was an interesting look at the health of the card market at the moment. Over the past month or so, James Harden's 2009 Topps rookie card, PSA 9, Uh, it's up about 44% as we gear into the next season. Uh, If you notice, there's a little spike around November 16th. That was the date when Adrian Wojnarowski reported that James Harden had rejected a $50 million per year extension with the Rockets in hopes of joining KD and Kyrie with the Nets. I really would love to see that happen as I think the locker room dynamic between him and Kyrie in particular would be an absolute dumpster fire. Uh, Doesn't look like it's going to happen at the moment. So we're seeing this little bit of a slight downturn in the days since the 16th. But overall, we see how the market is just ready to pounce and we're already seeing some rather sizable gains pretty much anywhere we look. 44% from James Harden uh, since October 20th. Uh, That's a strong rebound on the card market. Uh, Two young guys that uh, scored some big extensions. They both signed five-year, $195 million extensions. That is, of course, Jason Tatum for the Boston Celtics and Donovan Mitchell for the Utah Jazz. Um, Both of their cards are doing okay. Jason Tatum's is up 19%, his his select um, concourse rookie card. That is PSA 10 graded. It's up 19%, hovering around $375-ish, $370 at the moment. Uh, Donovan Mitchell's over the past month, over the same time frame, it's actually down 33%, uh, which is kind of surprising that we haven't seen a little bit of an uptick since the uh, signing announcement. Actually, though, if you look at Donovan Mitchell, since his time in the NBA bubble, since they were bounced on September 1st, uh, the card price dropped uh, pretty dramatically along with the rest of the card market. It was down 44% in that first week, uh, but it has rebounded rather nicely. Uh, as of now, it's only down 14% from where it was uh, back when the NBA, when he was bounced from the NBA bubble. On the basis of that, I would say that it's a pretty good buying opportunity. We know he's going to be sticking around in Utah for the next five years. Uh, that type of consistency, oftentimes, is uh, bodes pretty well for a player's market. Um, he's going to be around. He should be getting a little bit better here. He's picking up with a full head of steam after last NBA bubble. Uh, and we're still on a little bit of a discount, even after a, a creep up of the past couple of months. Uh, another player that just signed a extension, that was Fred Van Fleet. He signed for four years, $85 million. I uh, love Fred Van Fleet's story. You know, he came out of Wichita State, wasn't drafted. There was a couple teams that wanted to draft him in the second round. He bet on himself, decided to uh, put his destiny in his own hands, decide where he was going to sign as an undrafted free agent. And here we are just a few years later and he signs a four year, $85 million extension. So that's uh, obviously huge for him and his family and uh, he deserves all the credit. He's put in a ton of work. Um, Of course, he doesn't have pretty much hardly anything for you to invest in as far as rookie cards goes. Uh, He has an optic uh, rookie auto, which I have here on the screen. Um, That is up 339% between January to September. And then from September to the present, it's down 49%. So uh, from around the time when they were bounced from the NBA bubble up until today, it's down 49%. Um, We're sitting around the $200 range with this card in its raw form at the moment. But you know what? We know he's going to stick around in Toronto for the next four years. We know Kyler, Kyle Lowry is going to be gone pretty soon. Uh, we know he's an extremely popular pl- uh, player, hard worker, good shooter, uh, does a lot of things really, really well. He he would have been sought after uh, much more this offseason if a lot more teams had, had enough cap space to sign him. Uh, I th- I'm thinking uh, we're at a pretty good buy opportunity with this card. Uh, let's look at a few more teams. First, starting with the Denver Nuggets. Here was the... Final game of the Denver Nuggets playoffs before they got bounced. Uh, Jeremy Grant, he's now gone. He's signed with Detroit as part of a sign and trade. Uh, Mason Plumley, he is also gone, also in Detroit. Tory Craig, he signed in Milwaukee. Troy Daniels is also gone, I guess. I don't think he's signed anywhere yet, um, but he did only play six regular season games with the Nuggets, most of those in the bubble. All told, however, on the basis of these four players' average playing time during the regular season, their departures add up to 75 minutes of playing time around the roster. And that's good for these two guys in particular. Uh, that's Michael Porter Jr. and then Boal Bowl looks like their minutes should be ticking up quite a bit in the regular season. Uh, Over the course of last regular season, MPJ averaged 14 minutes per night. In the bubble regular season, that jumped up to 33 minutes per night. And then down into the playoffs, it was down to 24 minutes per night. I would expect moving forward with the roster log jam around him kind of cleared up. Uh, it should be closer to 33 minutes than 23 minutes. And with the regular season hype building around him and him scoring the way he does, uh, that should mean really good things for his card prices. Uh, then, of course, we have Ball Ball, who had a couple impressive scrimmages and then really only had four games in the bubble regular season and, uh, you know, kind of a, a smattering of other action. But but it wasn't uh, very important at all. Of course, you know the card market just went bananas once he came out in those scrimmages, started splashing threes, started swatting shots. Um, you know, rounding out the center position with him in Denver is Jokic, and then free agent signee Isaiah Hartenstein, and then recent draft selection. I'm gonna butcher this. Zeke Nanaji, and I don't, I don't know how to say that. I should have looked that up. Uh, we know that Mike Malone prioritizes defense. He loves strong defenders. Uh, In my estimation, this should mean that Bull Bull is at least going to see fairly regular playing time throughout the regular season. Uh, And if he starts seeing playing time, we can imagine that's good things for his card market as well. Let's look at MPJ really quick. His select courtside rookie card. Select courtside is, of course, the, the short printed version of the select series. Uh, we see it jumping up during the bubble quite a ways. And then after that, it, it took a dip, but we've made this kind of a shallow bowl shape, kind of a shallow horseshoe. It's creeping back up again. And, and for good reason, uh, clearly the, the team around him is opening up. Uh, looks like it's going to be his spot to lose. He should be getting 33 minutes a night and scoring quite a bit. Um, I still think it's a, a good buy at the just over $120 is where it's sitting raw right now. Uh, I think that's a, a fine price for him. Uh, next up, you might have seen Aaron post this on Instagram. I think it was today when he posted this. Kelly Oubre Jr. He was traded to the uh, the um, Golden State Warriors. Loved the Warriors picking them up, mostly because they added like $84 million in tax payments by picking up Ubre's contract. And, you know, there just aren't too many NBA owners who are actually looking to spend money. They're fine uh, spending up to a certain point and then uh, raking in all of the, the benefits, raking in all of the profit very few NBA owners that actually want to go and spend in the tax to try and uh, keep winning and contending at a high level, which is exactly what the Warriors are trying to do. Uh, Kelly Oubre uh, should be a pretty good pickup for the Warriors. Looking at some of his advanced stats from um, NBA.com backslash stats, uh, these are his breakdown of his three-point attempts on any shot. Majority of his three-point attempts came with him having the ball for less than 2 seconds on those shots he shot 35% uh, so we're talking about uh, catch and shoots essentially he catch the ball and hold it just long enough just to shoot it um, pretty strong percentage and that's his clearly his most comfortable way to shoot a three pointer also you take that in conjunction with um, the distance he has between him and the nearest defender any whenever there's a defender between 4 and 6 feet away from him he shot 32% on those shots. Leaves a little bit to desire, be desired. Six feet plus, which qualifies as wide open three-point attempts, he shot 37% from three. Now with um, Steph Curry being back and being healthy and all the gravity that he creates, um, uh, uh, of course, we're we're missing um, Clay Thompson, but I think James Wiseman playing pick and roll with Steph Curry, that should... Uh, do good things for the gravity suction away from Kelly Oubre. Also, uh, I do think he's going to see quite a few open looks. And if the Warriors can kind of come back roaring up into a top three, top four uh, seed in the Western Conference, I think Kelly Oubre's market's looking pretty decent at the moment. Uh, next team I wanted to look at, the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, they've been extremely busy. The best move they've made by far up to this point was Daryl Morey, hiring him after he left w- left Houston. I uh, wish the Bucs would have hired Daryl Morey. Alas, um, he quickly reshaped the Sixers roster. He held on to Embiid and held on to Simmons, but he did jettison Al Horford's just monster contract, which was pretty important to do. Uh, in the meantime, they also picked up Seth, Curry, brother to Steph, uh, Seth Curry and his career 44% three-point shooting Deadeye, as well as Danny Green and his uh, career 40% from re- long range. Um, last year also, they they had some good three-point shooters, Tobias Harris, who shot about 37% from deep on five attempts per game. Uh, then there's Shake Milton, who sat at a tidy 43% on 3.4 attempts. For Ken Korkmaz shot 40% from five attempts. And Matisse Steible, 36% on two and a half attempts. Mike Scott, prison Mike, with a 37% shooting from deep. You know, most of those guys did that last year on just about 20 minutes per night. So adding in two guys to the rotation who should be playing pretty heavy minutes that can splash it from deep. Um, that's going to go a long way on this Sixers roster and filling up some of the holes that they had. Uh, Then there's the rookie Tyrese Maxey, only shot 29% from deep with Kentucky, but he is a lifetime 87% free throw shooter. I think his shot will come around with NBA spacing. Uh, Any rotation, you know, should have about three shooters spacing it out around Ben Simmons. And that's going to be good for Simmons, especially, uh, Ben Simmons led all of basketball in assists on three pointers last year. So you add a few solid shooters in around him, um, should really help the Sixers overall. And if they can get out of some of the troubles that they've been having the last couple of years, and they can become a legitimate top two seed in the Eastern conference, um, that's going to really mean good things for Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid's markets, uh, but especially Ben Simmons, I believe. Uh, Just looking real quickly at uh, Ben Simmons's Uh, 2016 Optic PSA 10. This is the the first year of optics, my favorite year of optic. I just think it's a beautiful design. It's up 13% in November, relatively flat, but it is creeping up a little bit. Um, Seems like the market is pretty hesitant to react on any of these uh, signings for the Sixers. But you know what? They have Daryl Morey now. I'm sure that Daryl Morey is, is really probably going to try to build around Ben Simmons. And if there's anyone that knows how to do that, it's going to be Daryl Morey. Uh, I think uh, pretty much anything of Ben Simmons is a pretty strong buy at the moment. All right. That's all the time I have for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you liked the uh, new format that I was using here on the YouTube show. A um, lot to look at. There's still a lot to break down over the course of the offseason. Uh, hopefully, I'll be looking at some of the rookie uh, the draft results in the coming weeks and also picking apart some of the other teams that I didn't catch up to today. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time.